Well, good morning, Resurrection Presbyterian Church. If you are listening online, we are so glad that you are joining in. This is the first Sunday of our small worship gatherings across the Athens area, and I hope you've been able to see some old and new faces. I know it's been hard not being able to gather together these past few months, and I'm excited that we're able to begin worshiping alongside one another again. And this morning, we're starting up a new series, and it's all based on this question. What kind of people are we to be in the world? And this is always an important question, but now in light of the immense pressures created by COVID-19 and the national tension surrounding race and injustice, Uh, This question matters more than ever. What kind of people are we, as Christians, as the church, to be in the world? And so we're going to be taking the next few weeks to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen, which is really the best place to be, especially when you don't know what to do. And we're going to be looking at what has been called the Beatitudes. And what Jesus is doing in these Beatitudes is giving us a picture of, of the kind of people that bring hope and healing to the world. And in doing so, we're going to see that he turns the values of our world upside down, calling us to be a countercultural people. But this morning, we're going to be looking at the verses right before and right after the Beatitudes, because these verses really provide the frame that help us see and understand the picture that Jesus is giving us In the Beatitudes. And so I want to start reading verses 1 and 2 and then go to verses 13 through 16, all of which come from the fifth chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. So starting in verse 1 Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here's what I want us to see. Uh, it's, It's one thing that Jesus is creating a new community for the good of the world. And it's this community that we are a part of here and now. And I realize that we have a lot of kids listening in with us. And one of the first stories we often tell our kids in teaching them the Bible is the story of the Exodus. And what is the story of the Exodus about? Well, there are descendants of Abraham, and they are in slavery in Egypt. And then they are delivered through the waters of the Red Sea. And then they are hungry and thirsty in the wilderness. And then they get to this big mountain where their leader, Moses, comes down and speaks to these 12 tribes 
and gives them God's words. Now, keep that story in mind, which, which was fundamental for the people of Israel at this time. Keep that story in mind when thinking about what's happening in Matthew's gospel. So in Matthew chapter 1, Jesus is shown to be the true descendant of Abraham. In chapter 2, Jesus escapes danger and comes out of Egypt. In chapter 3, he passes through the waters of baptism. In chapter 4, he is hungry and thirsty in the wilderness. And now in chapter 5, Jesus is coming down from a mountain to his 12 disciples, and he goes to them and gives these people God's words. But he doesn't say, thus says the Lord, but he says, I say to you. And part of what Matthew is trying to show us is that Jesus is a greater Moses, come to accomplish a greater deliverance from a greater slavery to a greater hope. And the whole Old Testament has been building up to this, pointing forward to what Jesus has come to do. And it's not just about saving individuals. It is that, but it's much bigger than that. God is forming a new human community around Jesus. Now, if you're a kid listening, think about some of the times that you've been out on the playground and you've picked teams to play a game. Uh, Sometimes you select two captains and they take turns picking people to be on their team. And what tends to happen is maybe after choosing their best friend is, is you choose the best players, the fastest, the most athletic, the ones who are the best at the game you're playing to be on your team. If you want your team to win, you don't choose the slowest or the one who has never played before. So when Jesus is selecting his team, forming this new community that is going to change the world, who does he choose? And what we see is that he chooses the people that we normally wouldn't want on our team. He chooses the weak. He chooses the poor. He chooses the sick. He chooses the sad, the needy, the young, the inexperienced those who have made a lot of mistakes in their life, and even those who have hurt a lot of people. And we have to keep this in mind because when Jesus starts speaking, we don't want to hear his words as this is the way to get God to love us or accept us. Uh, because uh, this, this is bad news to those who think they are better than everyone else because Jesus is welcoming all. But this is good news to those who know they need a lot of help because Jesus welcomes all, even us. The defining feature, or you could say the heart of this new community, is not how great they are, but how great their need is for Jesus. And this is true for us as well. The heart of resurrection, our church, what holds us together, is not how great we are, how we are the perfect team that can make the biggest difference in our world. The heart of resurrection, our family, what holds us together is our need for Jesus because really he is the real difference maker in our world. But he chooses to use the most unlikely of people to do his work. And and so that's what brings us to this strange new community is all about. And what we see there for is for the good of the world. And there are two pictures that Jesus gives us to help this sink in, to help it really make more sense. And the two pictures 
are salt and light. Now, when we think about salt, we might think about doctors or parents telling us to eat less salt because it's not good for you. But that's not what's on Jesus's mind at all here. For him, salt is a very good thing. In their daily lives, salt had two purposes. First, salt enhanced flavor. So the reason why we put salt on our foods is because we think it makes it taste better. Much of their food at that time was very bland, and salt helped make the food come alive in a new way, making it so much better than it was without it. Second, salt prevented decay. So the salt on meats would prevent harmful bacteria from growing. And so you could store meat for longer periods of time because the salt would preserve it from becoming rotten. So part of what Jesus is saying when he says you are the salt of the earth is that your life, not just individually, but together is meant to make the world better. Your life not just individually, but together, is meant to push back against to decay, to have a preserving and life-giving effect. Now, think about the second image that Jesus gives us. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand, so it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So light does two things. Light destroys darkness and light helps us to see. So I remember as a kid, I would even sleep with my large overhead light completely on because I was so scared of the dark. Uh, When I could see, I knew there was nothing to fear. But in the dark, who knows what might be there? The darkness can be very scary, not just for kids, but for adults as well. And the world can be a scary place for all of us. There is a lot of darkness. And so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, that is some of the best news that we can hear. Jesus himself is God's light shining into our world, pushing back against darkness and helping us to see, helping us to see God, helping us to see ourselves, helping us to see our neighbors, helping us to see the truth, goodness, and beauty of who God is for us in Jesus. And so when we hear Jesus say, you are the light of the world, he is saying that he will shine his light through this new community through us. In 1788, John Newton, pastor in England and writer of the hymn Amazing Grace, which we sing very often, he, he produced a little booklet that he published and spread around called Thoughts on the African Slave Trade. And it was both a personal confession as well as a pastoral plea. His personal confession was his acknowledgement in his role in the slave trade because decades earlier, he was a captain and participated in the enslavement, oppression, and trafficking of human lives. But moved by the love of God and radically changed by the gospel, 
he'd spent the last years of his life working to have the slave trade abolished in Britain. And at the time, there was a young man named William Wilberforce, who was a younger Christian who served in the British Parliament. And Wilberforce's own efforts to abolish the slave trade were met with great opposition to the point where he was ready to give up. And Newton, knowing the call of God's people to be salt and light, encouraged him to keep going, even in the face of multiple defeats and countless setbacks. And in a personal letter, Newton says this to Wilberforce. He says, God has raised you up for the good of the church and the good of the nation. Continue in parliament. Who knows that but for such a time as this, God has brought you into public life and has a purpose for you. Um, After decades of fighting, Uh, In 1807, the slave trade was abolished in Britain, and and Newton was far from perfect. But as I've spent the last seven years really slowly reading through all of his published works, um, one of the themes that dominates his life and his writings that draws me so much is captured in these words before his death. He says, Although my memory's fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. This community, this new community, the church, the people of God, is called to be salt and light and called to live for the good of the world. But so often, we are just another part of the darkness. And this is really a huge reason why many have left the church and why many others never want to be a part of the church. And as I've, I've thought about that this last week, I've, I've been drawn back to John the Baptist. When he first started calling the people to return to God, the people wondered if John was actually the Christ. Is he this long-awaited Messiah come to heal the world? And his simple answer was, I am not the Christ. And then when he sees Jesus from a distance, he points the crowds to someone else, to him. And he says, behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, We are called to be salt and light, this new community around Jesus. But so often we fall short of what we're called to do. Uh, But there is hope because we are not the Christ. We are not the Savior. We are not the ones who heal and bring peace. But the heart of our message is we know the one who does. Behold, look, it's him, this Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. It is in his life, it is in his death, and it is in his resurrection that we have hope. We are a lot like the moon. Sometimes we shine brightly. And sometimes we don't shine at all, but our light is always a borrowed light reflecting something so much greater, so much brighter, and so much better. You, we are the salt of the earth. You, we are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Let Jesus be seen. Let the nations be glad and let the Father be glorified. Love you all. I look forward to seeing you soon. Amen.